0: M S W Media. A big thanks to Athletic Greens for supporting the Daily Beans. Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Just go to athleticgreens.com/dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And thanks to Thrive Cosmetics for supporting the Daily Beans. Get luxury, high-performance cosmetics that highlight your best features. For every purchase, Thrive Cosmetics donates to help women thrive. Go to thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans for 15% off your first order. Hello and welcome to the Daily Beans for Thursday, July 7th, 2022. Today, Patsy Baloney's 1-6 committee interview has been scheduled for tomorrow. The Oath Keepers are expected to be mentioned in committee hearings next week and are prepared to waive their speedy trial rights to delay. The Fulton County DA will not rule out a subpoena for Trump himself. The Capitol Police say that a defendant's demands could expose Capitol security. Trump's real estate firm has been found in contempt of court. And Boris Johnson tries to cling to power after dozens of lawmakers resign, I'm Allison Gill, and I'm Dana Goldberg. Clinging to power. Where have we heard that? We've I don't seen that. Know. That mm. um, huh?
1: So, where somebody didn't want to leave office? I can't. I don't know. Some over tanned orange guy in a adult diaper. Mm. Ah,
0: yes, yes. Yeah. Well remembered. My. You
1: friend. know the one. If I need to narrow it down for you, I'm happy to.
0: <laughs> I mean, it's fallen out of the news cycle, you know, so I really... That's true. I can't keep up with all of it. A couple of other breaking news stories today, Dana. There's a story emerging from Uvalde. That's the Robb Elementary School shooting. That one of the officers had a clear shot at the gunman, but could not get the go-ahead from his supervisor.
1: Every time a detail comes out about the story, I'm literally out loud going, what the fuck? Like every time, that's that's just all that comes out of my mouth. I'm so angry about this. And Eridondo
0: has resigned from city council, but not from the police department. This is
1: fucking uh,
0: the FBI is, is down there looking at that. The Department of Justice is I know that. And they are also the FBI is looking at federal charges for the Highland Park shooter. Not sure if we will get federal charges or not. Depends on the motives from you know what you get from the shooter himself. Trump's real estate firm. Cushman and Wakefield. They've been found in contempt of court and will be ordered to pay $10,000 per day until they produce the documents that Tish James wants. Fabulous. And Fannie Willis had an interview with MSNBC. She said there will be more subpoenas in Trump's orbit and doesn't rule one out for Donald himself. Although generally you don't subpoena targets of investigations. And, And Lindsay, of course, is suing to block this subpoena now, Mr. Graham Cracker's saying some bullshit that lawyers should know better than to say. He's saying the grand jury interview will immediately go to the January 6th committee. That's fucking illegal. And he knows it and it's not going to happen. And also, he said in his statement that he doesn't want to testify, that they've told him he's not a subject or a target. So why don't you want to testify? Why wouldn't you say anything? He's going to have a hard time because this is not a congressional subpoena, which are a little easier to flout these days, we've seen. Apparently this is a, uh, a you know a state grand jury subpoena and and you can be held in civil contempt for that you can be put in jail or fined like like they're doing with uh, Cushman and Wakefield and Donald Trump up in New York they yeah. can do that down in down there too so we'll see what happens but that's dumb i mean he is between he's stuck between a dildo and a crematorium yes he either has to give up trump you know who, who is he's the Lindsay fish for that guy or he has to
1: you know take the bullet himself <laughs> i'm just it. laughing so, cuz i feel like That Lindsey Graham has probably been to both the crematorium and the dildo shop. (laughs) And that's, listen, again, not a gay joke. There's a lot of straight men, whether they admit it or not, that like a little butt play, okay? He saw that. He saw that
0: uh, Four Seasons Total Landscaping and was like, I should visit. I mean, hey, listen. (laughs) And uh, also later in the show, I'm going to be talking uh, with Megan Hatcher-Mays from Indivisible. We're going to be talking about how we can unfuck the court. So. That's going to be a very important discussion. I look forward to that. All right. With all that out of the way, big intro today. Lots of show to get to. Let's hit the hot notes. Hot notes.
1: All
0: right. Former Trump White House counsel Patsy Baloney. that's Patsy Baloney is expected to testify to the House January 6th Select Committee on Friday after they reached an agreement over the scope of his cooperation with a subpoena compelling his testimony. And that's according to a source familiar with the matter that spoke to Hugo Lowell At The Guardian, who gets all this stuff first. So if you're not following him on Twitter and supporting The Guardian, what are you even doing with your life? The testimony from Cipollone is expected to be transcribed. It's a transcribed interview and recorded. On camera, there will be video. And the former top White House lawyer is expected to only answer questions on a narrow subset of topics and conversations with the former president. Among the topics Cipollone could discuss include how he told Donald Trump that pressuring Pence, the vice president, to refuse to certify Biden's election win was unlawful, and Trump's plot to coerce the Justice Department into falsely saying the 2020 election was corrupt. We already knew he was going to testify about those things. The closed-door deposition to that end could amount to a chance for the panel to corroborate testimony by the former White House aide, Katchity Hutchinson, who testified that Patsy repeatedly warned Trump's ideas to overturn the election Violated the law. According to her public testimony, she said uh, Cipollone said that if we go to the Capitol, we're going to be charged with every crime imaginable. And, you know, that's if Trump went to the Capitol that day, which he wanted to do. So that would be great if we could get corroboration of her testimony. Absolutely. It was not immediately clear on Wednesday why the scope of his testimony had to be limited, given Biden and the current White House counsel have previously waived privilege concerns for other former administration witnesses. Cipollone was a key witness to some of Trump's most brazen schemes to overturn the election, uh, which the select committee has said in its hearings was part of a sprawling and probably illegal multi-pronged strategy that culminated in the attack on the Capitol January 6th.
1: I would think that is very true. And we're going to stick with this um, sort of line of stories. The top Capitol police officer warned a federal court Tuesday that request by January 6th defendant take measurements in non-public areas of Capitol could compromise the building and expose some of the newer undisclosed efforts to protect Congress since the insurrection. Really interesting. This is a quote. Permitting him to measure distances from wall to wall, from wall to door, and vice versa, would provide a wealth of information to an adversary who might wish to calculate blast distances, the ability to fly a drone within the building or how large of a group could quickly pass through the hallways. That's just to name a few security risks. And that's from Sean Gallagher, the head of Capitol Police's Uniformed Service Division. And that was in an affidavit filed to U.S. District Court Judge Christopher Cooper. Now, Gallagher in his filing noted that the Capitol building was bombed in 1983, was the subject of a planned drone attack in 2011, and was infiltrated by members of the Oath Keepers during the January 6th attack who moved in a stack formation through the corridors. We saw it literally on video. Gallagher's filing accompanied a Justice Department brief, op- opposing a request by January 6th defendant Daniel Yeah. Wow, I, whatever. Cut just Eggvet. Egg 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 vet. I'm so sorry. I'm not I'm trying not to butcher this last name, but it's difficult. Egg vet uh to 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 permit Don't be his sorry. attorney's. Storm
0: yeah. the Capitol. Yeah, Daniel
1: Storm the Capitol. And he is filing, okay, Gallagher's filing accompanied a Justice Department's brief opposing a request by the January defendant, Daniel, to permit his attorneys to measure and photograph non-public areas of the Capitol. Now, don't start. You're going to get me giggling. Many January 6th defendants have been provided. Capitol Police led tours as part of efforts to build their defenses, okay? So the, the department offered 10 such tours over the last year. But Gallagher said offering a greater level of access to Edvet would risk revealing, quote, many secret and highly sensitive security features embedded in the physical structure of the U.S. Capitol. All right. Continued to say some existing on January 6th and some are new have needed to be changed after January 6th because the USCP must continue to protect the U.S. Capitol and those who work there, including members of Congress and address future operational security vulnerabilities. That's what he said. Now, Gallagher and prosecutors also worried that if they granted EgVet special access to measure and photograph non-public areas of the Capitol, they would receive hundreds of requests from other defendants to do the same. Now, Gallagher described it was a, quote, a virtually impossible task that would significantly tie up valuable USCP resources for one-off visits that are otherwise required for the protection, security, and safety of the U.S. Capitol. Mm.
0: Yeah, you want to measure hallways and doorways at this part of your defense? That doesn't make any sense and seems very creepy. Up next, there's some shit going on in the UK today. British Prime Minister Boris Johnson battled to remain in office Wednesday, brushing off calls for his resignation after two top ministers and a whole shitload of junior officials said they could no longer serve under his scandal-plagued leadership. Johnson rejected demands that he step down during a stormy session of the House of Commons amid a furor over his handling of a sexual misconduct allegation against a senior official. Later in the day, a delegation of some of his most trusted allies, most trusted allies in the cabinet, paid a visit to the prime minister at 10 Downing Street to urge him to go. But he remained unmoved. That's according to Britain's Press Association. The prime minister turned down suggestions that he seek a dignified exit. I don't think there's
1: anything dignified about Boris Johnson.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's probably like, look at me, I can't. I can't pull off a dignified exit even if I just leave. An Irish exit would be extra funny. (laughs) But the prime minister turned down suggestions he seek a dignified exit and opted instead to fight for his career, citing hugely important issues facing the country. That's according to the news agency. It cited a source close to Johnson saying he told colleagues there would be chaos if he quit. But not chaos after 38 members of parliament resigned. Right. That's the the record was 11, by the way. That's the record. Well done, Boris Johnson. Recent disclosures that Johnson knew about sexual misconduct allegations against a lawmaker before he promoted the man to a senior position pushed him to the brink. Holy shit. It's amazing how much these mimic each other. I know. I know. And many of his fellow conservatives were concerned that Johnson no longer had the moral authority to govern at a time when difficult decisions are needed to address soaring food and energy prices rising. That's Biden's fault, though, right? Global inflation. Oh, yeah. The gas prices and oh, for sure, too, the gas prices over there. Also Biden's fault. Rising COVID-19 infections. Yes. The war in Ukraine. Also Biden's fault. Mm -hmm. I'm kidding if this is the first time you've listened to this show.
2: (laughs) Someone just
1: turned in the podcast and they're like, who the fuck are these conservative? This like is high and outside. <laughs> oh.
0: Now, others worry, by the way, that Boris may now be a liability at the ballot box. Do you think? Yeah. Do you think? Oh. On Wednesday, members of the opposition Labor Party showered Johnson with shots of go, go during the weekly ritual of prime minister's questions at the House of Commons. Labor Party leader Keir Starmer mockingly said of the resignation surrounding Johnson, isn't it the first recorded case of the sinking ship fleeing the wreck? <laughs> oh, That's my God. amazing. Oh, they're so good at insults over there. Oh, really are. More damningly, members of Johnson's own conservative party, wearied by the many scandals he's faced, also challenged their leader with one asking whether there was anything that might prompt him to resign. Is there anything we could do to get you to go the fuck away? (laughs) Quote, frankly, the job of prime minister in difficult circumstances when he's been handed a colossal mandate is to keep going. Johnson replied with the bluster he has used to fend off critics throughout nearly three years in office, and that's what I'm going to do. (laughs) Former Health Secretary Sajid Javid, who helped trigger the current crisis when he resigned Tuesday night, captured the mood of many lawmakers when he said Boris Johnson's actions threatened to undermine the integrity of the Conservative Party and the British government, as if it needed any help. The Conservative Party, that is. The resignations of more than 30 junior ministers, up to 38 now, there could be, it might be more. Ministers and ministerial aides followed on Tuesday and Wednesday. As Johnson dug in, critics accused him of refusing to accept the inevitable and behaving more like a president than a prime minister. (laughs) I mean, which president
1: specifically do you think they're talking
0: about? Why don't they say king? Oh,
1: my goodness.
0: We say king than a president. They say president more than a prime minister by referring to his mandate. In Britain, voters elect a party to govern, not a prime minister directly. Former international development. That makes sense. Okay, that's why it would be a president. But ours wouldn't leave either. So that makes sense, too. Former international development secretary Andrew Mitchell said late Tuesday that Johnson's time was finally up. Quote, it's a bit like the death of Rasputin. He's been poisoned, stabbed. He's been shot. His body's been dumped in a freezing river and still he lives. (laughs) I don't mean to laugh. I mean, this is actually a serious crisis over there. But Mitchell goes on to tell the BBC, but this is an abnormal prime minister, a brilliantly charismatic, very funny, very amusing, big, big character. But I'm afraid he has neither the character nor the temperament to be our prime minister.
1: I love that. It reminds me, and I know it's different. I don't know if you, I think it was Maggie Smith, as comedian, and she's sitting there and she's like, I was with my wife one night. We were sitting at the dinner table and I was looking across at her thinking, God, you were so wonderful. Who could I set you up with? And I feel like I feel like these guys are the same thing. He's charima- charismatic, he's funny, he's amusing, he's big character, but man, what other country could we send him to? It's, yeah, they're like, let's send him to the U.S. <laughs> oh, man. Thank you for that, A.G. Thank you for the laughs. I know our listeners always enjoy when we get giggly. All right, A.G., a defense attorney for the Oath Keepers founder, Stuart Rhodes, said Wednesday that members of the group accused of seditious conspiracy, they're going to seek a postponement for their upcoming criminal trials amid the January 6th committee's public hearings. Now, this is interesting. Committee member Rep. Jamie Raskin, he confirmed CBS News, the July 12th committee hearing is going to focus on the roles and the actions of domestic violent extremist groups, conspirators, and far-right organizations. Well, an attorney for Rhodes, who's Philip Linder, he cited the expected focus on the Oath Keepers in seeking a postponement of the September and November criminal trials. Linder said the group of defendants, quote, have agreed to temporarily waive their speedy trial rights. Hmm. Yes. Went on to say, we will keep filing continuances in the cases until the January 6th committee complies with the Justice Department's request for transcripts of all of the witnesses they have allegedly interviewed. That's again Linder. In June letters submitted to D.C. Federal Court, the Justice Department acknowledged it had asked for copies of a committee deposition transcripts, but had not yet received them. Okay, the Oath Keepers defendants are not the first high-profile defendants to seek court delays by citing the January 6th Select Committee's hearings. Former Trump campaign advisor Steve Bannon, he's asking to delay his trial on contempt of Congress charges, which is scheduled to begin later this month. Remember that? We, he was like, oh, it's too high profile. I'm never going to have a jury. And everyone's like, no one's been fucking talking about you, Steve. <laughs> yeah, this took a combined total of 30 seconds. Yeah, you're, you're going to be fine, sir. Keeping All right. Cold sore. I uh, know. Now, we reported on that filing earlier this week, along with the DOJ's biting response, remember, and Bannon has filed a reply to that response saying basically, hey, come on. We don't know what the next hearings are going to be about. So please just delay for three months. And, you know, the guy's like, we're still not going to fucking talk about you, Steve. Now, off note, A.G., the Bannon team says that the Department of Justice interviewed a new witness in the case on June 29th, and they want more time to go over that deposition. Anyhow, so we don't know the new mm. witnesses. Yeah.
0: Why would you need to interview a witness in a simple contempt misdemeanor case unless it was his lawyer, Costello, whose stuff they were trying to get a hold of and phone records and shit? That's interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Peculiar. Yeah, and and you know what? They might delay. The judge at first I was like, the judge isn't gonna fucking delay this. But you know, it's a three month, they're asking for three months. It might be worth it for the judge to just delay it. It's not gonna make any difference in anything. Right. So, you know, everyone would be, Oh, Bannon'll be out there for three more months spitting his stupid lies. Kind of, but I mean, even if they do start the trial next month, it would still be another couple months before he went to jail anyway, and you know, even if he got convicted, which and, you know, if they really want this delay, that means if they get if they don't get the delay and they and he gets convicted, they're going to file an appeal saying that they didn't that the court didn't give them this delay. Right. And, and they probably wouldn't win. But like, why even give them the option? You know, just delay the thing. And this takes this off the table as an appealable thing. Absolutely. So if I were the judge, I just might humor him. We'll see what happens, though. All right, we'll be right back with Megan Hatcher-Mays. We're going to discuss how to fix SCOTUS. Stay with us. After
2: these messages, we'll be right back.
0: Hey, everyone, I want to tell you about Thrive Cosmetics, my new favorite brand for high-performance beauty and skincare products made with clean, skin-loving ingredients. And there's a lot to love about them. They use no parabens, no sulfates, no phthalates, and they're certified 100% vegan and cruelty-free. And they're amazing. And the cause in Thrive Cosmetics is there for a reason. Every purchase supports over 300 organizations, 300 organizations that help women and their communities thrive, including women's shelters and American Red Cross and breast cancer retreats. Plus, their products are fantastic. Their liquid lash extension mascara is the best thing ever invented. It lasts all day. It doesn't clump or smudge or flake. It mimics the look of real lashes and it's so easy to remove. It just slides right off. There's no running. You don't get the, the, you know, when your mascara runs, it doesn't happen. They also have amazing liquid balm lip treatment, which is a leave-on lip serum that nourishes and restores my lips while giving them a smooth and glossy shine. It replenishes moisture with a protective veil of skin-nourishing vitamins, juicy hydration, and it just looks wonderful. I use them both all the time. And now is a great time to try Thrive Cosmetics for yourself, because right now you can get 15% off your first order when you visit thrivecosmetics.com slash dailybeans. That's Thrive Cosmetics, C-A-U-S-E, M-E-T-I-C-S dot slash for 15 percent off your first order. Everybody, welcome back. I am happy to bring back onto our show. I love talking with this guest. She is the director of democracy policy at Indivisible, and she's also the founder of Unrig the Courts Coalition, former counsel for demand justice and former aide to delegate Eleanor Holmes Norton for the District of Columbia. Please welcome Megan Hatcher-Mays. Hi, Megan. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm so glad to talk to you because I'm freaking out. Yes. I'm freaking out a little bit because I am seeing, you know, the Alito decision in Roe v. Wade. I am seeing the the gun SCOTUS decision. I am seeing the the future of privacy rights, including contraception, same-sex relationships, same-sex marriage, under threat by name. Those were named by... I'm going to call him Justice Thomas. I'll put justice in quotes. <laughs> and now the new case they've taken up, Moore v. Harper, which would throw total control of state elections to state legislatures, to the partisan state legislatures. that are gerrymandered to shit. And I'm freaking out because I feel like the there's only one thing we can do to prevent all this from happening help me understand our, our options here.
2: Yeah. The most important thing Congress should be doing is expanding the Supreme Court. They should be adding seats to the Supreme Court to undermine the influences uh, influence of the conservative justices who I not only disagree with, like as a matter of policy or legal interpretation, but who are becoming existential threats to our democracy. And I really don't say that lightly. And, I, and I'm and i not just saying it because we disagree. Um, it's not like, oh, my favorite color is red. And Brett Kavanaugh's favorite color is green. And we just agree to disagree on what the best color is. Like this is actually the Supreme Court is behaving as hostile actors to the well-being of our democracy. And it didn't just start this year. You know, you can go back to 2013. And in Shelby County, <laughs> Beholder the Supreme Court said, and this is a quote, John Roberts said, things have changed dramatically in the South. And what he meant by that was the state legislatures were not introducing racist voter suppression laws to prevent people from voting anymore, like they had been during the 50s and 60s. Within 24 hours of that decision coming down, Southern state legislatures were holding special sessions to surgically target Black and brown voters to make it more difficult for them to vote. So things have not changed dramatically in the South or really anywhere else in this country. Um, And it's the Supreme Court itself who is now hindering our ability to participate in democracy and to make changes based on the things that we want our state legislatures and our federal legislature, Congress, to pass. Because a lot of the stuff that they struck down over the past week is really popular, including abortion and gun Mm -hmm. safety laws and and things like that. They just kind of got rid of all of it. So basically what this new case is that they're taking up, it's going to give a lot of power to state legislatures who just, as you said, have been gerrymandered to shit, you know, gerrymandering exists, at the federal level, it exists on the state level too. You know, at the state level, oftentimes like Wisconsin is a good example of this. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Democrats get um, many, many more votes than Republicans do. And yet Democrats can't get control of the state legislatures there because of the way they have gerrymandered the um, congressional districts and states. So, it's a big problem if you turn over election certification to state legislatures that have been gerrymandered uh, in such a partisan fashion. It's very scary.
0: Yeah. And, and that, th- that thing you're talking about with the Southern States and the Voting Rights Act, you know, it's called preclearance, right, which demanded that the s- certain states, legislatures, when if they wanted to change their voting laws, they had to get the Department of Justice to sign off on it. And that was part of the Voting Rights Act that was gutted in 2013. And and that's what concerns me when people say, well, we just need to codify Roe. We just need to codify voting rights. Both of those things would be immediately blocked and then gutted by, I think, this Supreme Court. I'm not saying it's not worth it to get, you know, to get a Republican or some Democratic senators on the record voting against codifying voting rights or voting against codifying privacy rights. but. I don't think it would survive this Supreme Court, given that previously more liberal Supreme Courts gutted the Voting Rights Act to begin with and destroyed the idea of preclearance. And now we're moving on to this, you know, Moore v. Harper case that would throw it to the state legislatures and basically allow Republican gerrymandered Republican states to throw out the will of the voters, which is what they wanted to do in 2020, what they tried desperately to do in 2020 in those seven key swing states.
2: That's exactly exactly right. I think, to your point about this court, this court really is a threat. It's a threat to um, codifying Roe. It's a threat to expanding democracy. It's a, a threat to restoring the Voting Rights Act. I mean, um, basically, we're in a situation where the justices aren't just issuing conservative opinions or rulings. They're issuing Republican rulings. They're issuing victories to Republicans for political gain. That's what is happening here. I mean, you could get a case where, you know, you get the Supreme Court gets a map and in one of those cases, you know, the map might benefit Democrats. They'll strike that map down. Exact same case, but the map benefits Republicans. That map will stay. That just happened over the course of this year. That's what this court is doing. And this has been the project on the right for the last 50 years. Again, this did not happen overnight and it's not just about abortion it's about voting rights it's about um guns it's about it's about expanding protections for not just religion but for christians specifically yeah um that's really what is happening here and and we're not going to be able to fix this overnight but democrats in congress and joe biden really need to stop treating the supreme court like they are immune from reform they are people and they have are doing bad things and when people in our government do bad things there should be consequences for that behavior
0: yeah so what we're i think we're running up against because i agree with you that the only option here is to expand the supreme court there are now 13 circuits there should be 13 justices if you're going to go by the old you know textual idea of why we had nine supreme court justices in the first place it was because we had nine circuit courts now we have thirteen. We should have thirteen justices. It just stands to reason because now certain justices are assigned two circuits mm-hmm. and have to administrate over two circuits and But that has to be done by Congress. It cannot be done by mm-hmm. executive order. Biden can't wave a wand and say i he can threaten you know like f d r did I think it was who who was like i'm gonna if you don't do my new deal i'm gonna i'm gonna pack your court right and they were like, "No, we're cool with it. We're cool <laughs> with it." That wouldn't happen at this court. I don't think and you know he can be pressured to cuz you know at first he wasn't about carving out the filibuster for codifying row now he is he can be pressured into that from public pressure we need to pressure him to want to expand the court even though it is the congress that does it but there are we have hurdles in congress with this congress the way congress is situated right this second we cannot i don't believe add or expand the court we can pressure them sure but i don't think like Cinema or mansion or anybody's going to budge so i think the option here is is to really turn out the vote. And I know people are sick of hearing, you know, we'll just vote more. <laughs> but I really think that that is our only option here. And, you know, it, it is kind of frustrating to see a lot of people, the voters in this country, blame Democrats for not being able to get anything done when it is the voters who only afforded them razor thin margins we had 110 million people who didn't vote. <laughs> yeah. So I really think for some, somehow that has to be the message, right? Or or do we have another option here with this Congress?
2: You are right. The, the margins are so narrow um, in the Senate. And given the fact that we've kind of got two really bad Democrats in the caucus, we've got uh Sinema and Mansion who won't even do the bare minimum to restore the Voting Rights Act or to reform democracy and other, like, you know, past campaign finance reform, they don't even want to do the bare minimum for that. So I'm not here to suggest that somehow uh, we can magically convince them that we should add four seats to the Supreme Court. But what I am saying is that we can build up support for it. That's how every righteous fight starts. And, you know, nothing that we do starts out popular because if it did, we wouldn't have to fight so hard. So what we can be doing is contacting our members of Congress, especially our senators. There are only three senators who are co-sponsors of the bill on the Senate of the court expansion bill on the Senate side. And so what we can do is spend this summer working really hard to build up as much support in Congress for court expansion, so that when we do get a better Senate majority and a better House majority, we can move quickly to not only pass um, the Voting Rights Act, the John Lewis Voting Rights Act, but to also pass a court expansion bill to protect our, our, Those reform, yeah, our, the bills that we are able to pass. So that, that'll be really critical. And I think you know, I think we have some good evidence that that sort of thing can work. You know, I think when Indivisible first started talking about the need to get rid of the filibuster, that was not a particularly popular um, position to take. Yeah. But now we're in a situation where if you want to run as a Democrat for Senate, it's almost a a, a litmus test <laughs> that, <laughs> that you have to be in favor of getting rid of the filibuster, like even really moderate Democrats like Connor Lamb in Pennsylvania is a really good example came out in favor of getting rid of the filibuster. That doesn't just happen without a lot of work. And so I think that court expansion can be just like that. I think it can be something where we're really demanding it of people who are currently in Congress or people who are running for Congress, but they need to understand that the problems facing this country are not just about passing bills through through the legislature. It's about protecting them from a court that is hostile <laughs> to the majority will. And, and I, I know this yeah. all sounds very hyperbolic and doomsday, but it's really it's not. This is really what it's they not. think. It's really what they believe that the court should be able to overturn the democratic will, especially if most people think we should be expanding rights and benefits to others. This court doesn't think that. This court thinks that rights should be restricted mm-hmm. to whoever had rights at this country's founding, which is white men. That's what they think. They have pretty much said as much in the abortion case that we just got and in the gun case that we got as well, that they really want us to be looking back at the 1800s if we want to determine the type of life we want to live in 2022.
0: Yeah, but only the parts that they that they like. Right. Because back <laughs> right. when the framers, you know, the framers only wanted, didn't just want white men to, to be in charge of government. They didn't want poor white men to participate right. either. So but they're going to let that one go this time. So, right. you know, it's it's they are inconsistent in, in as clearly uh, be, because we, we saw it when Justice Thomas was wanting to go after Griswold and Obergefell, but not loving. You know, it's it's like, OK, well, where's your consistency? Yeah. There is none. It is for their own little cherry picked future that they want. And and I really think it's important that we do reach out to our to people running in the primaries and, and in the general to find out which of the Democratic candidates are all about expanding the court or would vote for it or would vote for a filibuster carve out to do that. So we need to be asking them just, you know, just like you said, not just our current Senate and pushing for it. Because you're right, making noise makes a difference. People, I hear people constantly say, "Well, you could have codified Roe uh, when Obama had a supermajority, uh, which he only had for 72 days." But let's even pretend that he could have. He he couldn't have because a great number of Democrats were pro-life at that point. And now it's a given that every Democrat is is pretty much pro-choice, right? And that's because we made noise and we pushed. Mm-hmm. And and so I think it's so very important. And we do it in a way that doesn't like fuck the midterms. Right. Don't don't be like bashing Democrats, just pushing them to do the right thing.
2: I think that's right. I think that what we really should be working towards is um, a caucus that is responsive to what people want. People Demo- voting for Democrats who don't just repeat the party line, but who are willing to fight for, like do what's necessary to fight for the things that we all want. I mean, these issues that the Supreme Court has been striking down are, like I said, are incredibly popular. It shouldn't be difficult um, for Democrats to lay out a vision of what they are going to fight for if they win in November. But I think there's a big difference between fighting for something and resisting something. And I don't know that Democrats have necessarily adopted a fighter pose yet, but it's, I think it's still popular. And I think, you know, I I I Agree that I think people get frustrated when you say, "Oh, don't forget to vote in November." But I think a couple things about that. One is, uh, I'm absolutely not advocating for vote blue no matter who, because it really matters who. It very much matters who, and we should be voting for people who are going to do what's necessary to protect our democracy, both from state level actors and from the Supreme Court itself. So that's really important. And two, democracy is a lifelong thing. It's these problems that our country is facing, the, the tailspin that Donald Trump threw us into is not going to be resolved after one election. You know, this yeah. is really something that we have to dedicate ourselves to probably for the rest of our lives. And I know that's frustrating, but that it's important. It
0: is. I I hear so often like, we worked so hard and I voted in this last election and it nothing changed. And and it, it it's frustrating for me to be like. To explain, to try to explain, like, we've had to do this over and over again for decades just to get to where we are because we're pushing back against this minority rule and have been for so long. So, I, you know, I do think it's important that, that we understand that this isn't a one and done thing, you know, and, and that's why we always say this is the most important election of our lifetime. Every election is going to be from now on until <laughs> the end of time, the most important election because we are pushing back we are pushing back on autocracy and it's 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 tough to to take a fighting stance from a defensive position you're right we need to get into that fighting stance
2: yeah yeah i think that's the thing because i've seen that joke on twitter a lot it's like oh they they're always telling me every election's the most important one of your lifetime it's like well yeah it is it is because you know we're a uh, hair's just a wisp away from this whole thing falling off the cliff. And so, yeah, until we can um, fight, you know, claw back a little bit more of a larger majority, then yes, every single election you vote in is going to be the most important election ever. Because the people who are on the other side of it don't care if our democracy survives or not. So like, that's what we're up against here. It's not just, um, you know, surface disagreements about what the right policy is. It's a difference between keeping our democracy and living in an autocracy. So yes, every election is the most important one since the last one. Yeah, and it'll continue to be that way.
0: Thank you so much for talking to me today. Can you tell everyone where they can get tools and information and... And weapons and shields <laughs> to fight the fight. Yes. I feel like Eddie Munson right now in, uh, yes. in the final the Stranger Things of, Yes.
2: Uh, whipping out a Metallica solo. Where yeah. do I get my guitar? Yeah, the first thing is to learn how to play Master of Puppets um on, <laughs> on your fender. Uh no, so that, where to get metaphorical weapons, uh the best thing you can do is go to um actually to go to givenoground.org, you can go see um the candidates that we're supporting to in the House and the Senate to keep our majorities in in both chambers, givenoground.org. And you can sign up to get more information about canvassing, phone calls, texting, all that stuff. Um, Really good resource as we head into the fall and ahead of the midterms. The other really great resource that we launched with some of our partners, uh, including Stand Up America and Take Back the Court, it's very specifically about court expansion. And it's formore.us, and you can go to that website and learn more about the need for court expansion. Um, the arguments in favor of court expansion. And that's another one where you can sign up to get more information. You can, there's a call scripts and other resources on that website where you can call your members of Congress. Unless you live in Massachusetts or Minnesota, your senator is not a co-sponsor of the court expansion bill. So if you don't live in one of those two states and you have democratic senators in particular, you should call them and ask them to sign onto this bill. It's It's critically, critically important that the Senate starts to understand what a threat the Supreme Court poses to our democracy and adding seats to the Supreme Court is the best way to address that problem. So that's 4more.us for all your court expansion needs. And for all your midterm needs, givenoground.org. Awesome.
0: And remember, it's not about, you know, a lot of people, oh, it won't make a difference. It, it, it might not tomorrow, but it will in the long run to contact your senators, get them to sign on to this bill. And it's four more F-O-U-R-M-O-R-E dot
2: U.S. Yeah. Right. Like adding four more justices to the Supreme Court.
0: <laughs> so four more F-O-U-R-M-O-R-E uh, dot U.S. and give no ground dot org. I appreciate you so much. Thanks for being with me today. Megan Hatcher Mays. Thanks for having me. Everybody stick around. We'll be right back with the good news. Hey, everybody, it's AG, and I have a quick addition, easy habit to pick up that is going to change your life. I started taking Athletic Greens AG1 because I wanted more energy and a supplement that tasted delicious. And with one delicious scoop of AG1, you get 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, and it all helps you start your day right. The special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, nervous system, your immune system, which is really important right now with these new variants, your energy, recovery, focus, aging, it supports all the things. And we want to thank Athletic Greens for their support because they're offering you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase when you go to athleticgreens.com dailybeans. I take Athletic Greens every morning before the gym, helps with my mental clarity, my focus, my recovery time, my alertness, my gut. And with every purchase, they donate to organizations helping get nutritious food to kids in need including No Kid Hungry here in the United States. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, AG1, it's delicious. No need for a million different pills and supplements in your cabinet and your refrigerator. And to make it easy, again, Athletic Greens is gonna give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. Again, all you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com dailybeans. Again, that's athleticgreens.com dailybeans to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. And today's show is also brought to you by Helix Sleep. You know, I've had a lot of trouble sleeping in the past, some stress, some politics, but mostly I was sleeping on a mattress made for someone else. But Helix has an online sleep quiz, takes just two minutes to complete. It matches your body type and sleep preferences to the perfect mattress for you. So why would you be sleeping on a mattress for someone else when there is Helix? Everyone's unique and Helix knows that. So they have several different mattress models to choose from. Soft, medium, firm, spinal alignment, body temperature regulating. They even have a Helix Plus mattress for plus size sleepers. All the models, they have them all. I took the Helix Sleep Quiz. I was matched with the Helix Midnight because I'm a side sleeper and I prefer a medium firm bed. And it has increased my sleep exponentially. I am no longer in sleep debt and I can't recommend Helix enough. So if you're looking for a mattress, head to helixsleep.com slash take the online sleep quiz, order the mattress you're matched to, and it will come right to your door, ship for free. They have a 10-year warranty. They'll pick it up and return all your money if you don't love it, but you will. They have financing options and flexible payment plans available. And Helix was awarded number one best overall mattress pick of 2020 by GQ and Wired Magazine. Helix has been recommended by multiple leading chiropractors and doctors of sleep medicine as a solution for improving your sleep as well. And right now, Helix is offering up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows for listeners at helixsleep.com slash dailybeans. That's Helix Sleep, H-E-L-I-X Sleep.com slash Daily Beans for up to $200 off all mattress orders and two free pillows. Everybody, welcome back. It's time for the good news. Who likes good news? Good news, good news. And if you have any good news, confessions, corrections, Halloween photos, Santa photos, Easter bunny photos, Woobie stories, anything you want to send in, adoptable pets in your area, your pets, your happy place, you can go to dailybeanspod.com and click on contact to send it our way. We need your good news. Send it in. All right. First up from Upcycle Wino, pronoun she and her. Hello, I'm a longtime listener. Enjoyed you guys since the kitchen table days. I start every day with you guys. I actually have some good news to share. First, my poor fat cat Archie was really sick and the vet told me he had kidney disease and one of his kidneys was shutting down. At the time he was sick, we all had COVID. Well, a week or so later, we were all feeling better and so was my sweet Oompa Loompa. I don't doubt that he has kidney disease. Most cats die of that, but now I'm pretty sure he had COVID. Oh my goodness. He was down about four pounds. He was 20 pounds, but he's back to his sassy self, eating his food and demanding lots of treats. I'm just going to give him whatever he wants for the rest of his life. (laughs) Upcycle Wino, this is so weird because my cat just lost three pounds.
1: Huh. And you just got over COVID. COVID.
0: And they did an ultrasound and think that he has either IBS or small cell lymphoma. But that's really interesting. Maybe he was sick too, Hmm. because he does seem to be back to his normal self now. Anyway, back to Upcycle Wino. My other good news is I got a new job, making a lot more per year. I can't believe it. I'm super nervous, but so excited. I finally make more than my 20-year-old son. (laughs) I look forward to being so busy learning my new job that I won't have time to doom scroll and snack all day. So hopefully I'll be a little thinner and a lot happier. For my pet tax, I've attached a picture of my fat guy, Archie. I've also attached pictures of my stuff I've made out of wine bottles and wine corks. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for all you do. Sending you lots of hugs and love. Hence the upcycle wino. Look at, Look at how
1: these. cute these wine cork animals are. These are so good. I love this. Oh I my God. Wine. Look at that light. That is really amazing. It's been cut and two wine bottles glued together. and th- That's stunning. That's really rad. I would really love to know. If you can buy one of the Upcycle wino, if you sell those lights. Those are really, really yes. cool. So let us know. Let us know.
0: Oh, look at the oh, chumbis. Oh, look at the babe, the chunker. Oh, so cute. Thank you, Upcycle Wino.
1: Indeed. All right. This is from Nathan. Pronounce he him. Hello from Australia, lovely Leguminati. In response to your call for good news, I submit this story of public servants going above and beyond to save my brother's life. Ooh. At the end of April, my older brother, who's only 51, was catching the train home from work when he collapsed at a railway station. He suffered a massive heart attack and his, his heart stopped. One of the attendants of the station noticed him looking pale, had already approached him to check on him and managed to grab him as he collapsed. He started CPR straight away while other staff got the defib and called the ambulance. Those heroes worked on my brother for 18 minutes before the ambulance got there to take over. The prognosis was not good. People whose hearts stopped for more than 10 minutes generally do not survive. The hospital gave him odds of 20%. I have to remember this is a good news story. The hospital gave him odds of 20% that he would even wake up. Over the next few days, the angels at the ICU looked after him and he slowly improved. Once they stopped the sedation, he woke up and we are all relieved that he just continued to improve rapidly. He was transferred out of the ICU and then was discharged from the hospital about three weeks later. Our family wrote a thank you letter to the head of the real company thanking their staff for saving our brother. We were then invited to a morning tea, an awards ceremony where the CEO provided the staff involved with awards for going above and beyond. Mm. That's what we should, God, that's so good. My brother attended and was able to thank them in person. He was so wow. gratifying and humbling to be there. They spoke of their own struggles with the stress of the situation and how they didn't know if my brother had survived or what had happened after the ambulance left. Our family also gave the staff some gifts and spent time with them. Lots of tears were shed. Several things stuck with me. Dan and Jess, the two staff most responsible for helping my brother, had only been in the job for six <sighs> months. They were not even supposed to be working at the station, but had been shifted there for that day. Dan, the one who caught my brother and started CPR, had come from a background of mental health and community support, was very experienced in doing CPR from that role. Dan's expertise in CPR and having the DFib device are the only reasons why my brother survived his heart being stopped for 18 minutes the CEO of the rail company was just so pleased to receive a thank you note instead of a complaint letter and said it made her cry and absolutely made her weak. Needless to say, we will forever be grateful. Attached is a photo of my brother with his saviors at the awards ceremony. Also attached for pet taxes, our eight month old blue staffy Betty, who was a gorgeous little girl. What a phenomenal story. Ooh. Oh, that is a hell of a story. I'm so so nathan. glad oh look at this blue betty i know
0: whoa blue betty bam a lamb <laughs> oh so cute look at the little legs look at the little crinkles in the I skin i know i want to hug that puppy and i want to hug you and your brother nathan thank you for sending that story and that's amazing and thanks to the good first responders and uh, well and and the people who worked at the rail um that's amazing, amazing that they were there that day just happened to be incredible I know. Nicole, pronouns she and her. Love you all. It's my favorite way to start my day. Thanks, Nicole. Though I have a correction. Uh oh. Uh oh. Correction to a correction. Afrata. We're never going to know how to say this right, AG. Is pronounced like Afrata phonetically, emphasize on the front. Afrata. <laughs> Good news. Wait, somebody sent me a. Somebody sent me a. Uh, watch this. Watch this.
1: Afrata. Pull it. Is it Afrata?
0: I'm going to pull it up off my phone right now because right. one of the good producers here knows Effreda. what it is. Oh, it disappeared. Oh, she sent me a, oh, I guess voice texts oh, no. disappear over time. Anyway, we tried. Um, we will never solve the Effreda, Effreda, uh <laughs> mystery. I know. Um, but Nicole goes on to say, Good news is that my 19-year-old daughter asked me to help her get registered to vote. Her words, I promise to never vote for a fucking Republican ever, unquote. And she's been asking her friends to do the same. She has a great boyfriend who is motivated as well. Here is my pod pet tax, my rescue grand cat, Loki, with some pride paintings in the background that I painted for my bi-daughter and my non-binary pansexual other kid, (laughs) other kid. The rose was my daughter's painting, a gift to me. Oh, I
1: already love this damn family. I know. This whole family is so fucking Nicole, cool. Nicole, well done.
0: Look at this beautiful boy. Kiss. is a boy cat. Yeah. Boy. Do you want to grab this other next one? <laughs> okay. Matt F. in Central PA. <laughs> in regards to the Central PA town names, Ephrata is pronounced Ephrata. Uh Lidditz was said perfectly. And yes. Lancaster is Lancaster.
1: Okay, Lancaster, here. I'll say differently, but I got Lidditz, which, you know what? One out of three, not bad. Ephrata. And apparently no Ephrata. one says Ephrata the same way in the entire <laughs> city. Whatever the population is of Ephrata, we're not, that's how many takes there is on Ephrata. Okay. There's another one. Anonymous. Oh my God, are you fucking kidding me? Okay, Anonymous. <laughs> Good morning, lovely ladies of the beans. I have to write because I cannot take it anymore. It's Efrata, Efrata. Ephrata. Ephrata. Emphasis on on the first syllable. Um, Ephrata. Ephrata. A lovely town I've spent many hours in. Ephrata in Lancaster. Which I feel like is different than Lancaster, by the way. Which we just heard in the last one. Lancaster. (laughs) (laughs) county we have to go we're just gonna have to go to i feel drunk when we do shit like this i'm like (laughs) am i crazy are we high (laughs) and outside i feel like like beard
0: and uh at ted lasso like plan plan, oh my god plan plan, i know
1: or those things on electric company trying to pronounce words oh yeah Uh, the things the trolleys that move closer yeah all right for pet tax i attached a photo of my gracie that i know how to say I added that. Helping with the laundry. So helpful. Smiley face. I feel sarcasm Mm -hmm. in that sentence. Thanks for Mm -hmm. bringing all the good news. And yes, the kitty is definitely helping in the dryer. In the dryer.
0: Cats are just so helpful with all of your tasks.
1: Yeah. In the dryer.
0: Keeping your documents in order. Keeping glasses on the table full of water. Keeping
1: your um, keyboards warm. Yeah. Keyboards can get very cold during the
0: winter. Very helpful. I have friends who have
1: decoy laptops, yep. like their
0: old laptops they don't use anymore. They plug in and set them next to their laptop yeah. so the cat has somewhere to sleep. They're really good
1: at not letting your self-esteem get out of hand. Oh, yeah.
0: That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, definitely true. All right, Ephrata. Uh Ephrata. 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 Dr. Ephrata. 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 All right, everybody, uh, please send your good news stories in. I think I think we're good on Ephrata, but or F. Uh,
1: you know what? Um, we're going to get one at the end of the month. It's like I have a correction to your correction to the correction you got on the correction from July 6th correction. Thank we you. We are.
0: We definitely are. But that's OK. Whatever you want to send in, you can send it to us. We, we used to do a game where you, we used to have you send in your weird town names and your small towns and see if we could pronounce them. And we stopped doing that for a fucking reason. We stopped reason. doing
1: that. We're afraid
0: to bring that back, but it seems like it attacks us anyways. Oh, my
1: God. People
0: still throw them all in there just to be fun. And we do appreciate you. Um, and you could do send all that stuff into us at dailybeanspod.com
1: and click on contact. Dana, do you have any final thoughts for today? No, I do not, because this was a fantastic episode of laughter and good news and bad news and all kinds of shit, so we should just call it a day. All right, let's call it. We'll be back tomorrow with more beans. Until then,
0: please take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. Take care of the planet. Take care of your mental health. Vote blue over Q.
2: It's pronounced Ephrata in Lancaster County. Ephrata.
0: I've been A.G. And I've been D.G. And them's the beans. The Daily Beans is written and executive produced by Allison Gill with additional research and reporting by Dana Goldberg and Amy Carrero. Sound design and editing is by Desiree McFarlane with art and web design by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios. Music for The Daily Beans is written and performed by They Might Be Giants, and the show is a proud member of the MSW Media Network, a collection of creator-owned podcasts dedicated to news, politics, and justice. For more information, please visit mswmedia.com. MSW
1: Media.